I am Cheryl Whitten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. One of the biggest problems in aromatherapy is conflicting information and crazy wild claims. All you have to do is search essential oils on the internet, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So when you're looking for information, how do you know who to trust, and how do you know what's right? Well, that's the reason I created this podcast, and a course called Science of Aromatherapy. The Science of Aromatherapy course takes you through aromatherapy as a healing art and the history and modern use of essential oils. You'll learn the basics of aromatherapy, the science and chemistry of essential oils, contraindications and safety considerations, and clinical and personal applications. In this course, I take you through everything from how aromatherapy affects epilepsy and bleeding disorders to drug interactions, allergies and sensitivities, and to use in pregnancy and breastfeeding, and even with children. We covered the main modes of application and profiles of the 10 most popular essential oils. By the end of the course, you'll understand the most common contraindications and safety guidelines, how to use essential oils, how to build a protocol, and how to choose, cross-reference, and eliminate essential oils, as well as how to formulate, blend, and dilute essential oils, and so much more. So why should you learn from me? Well, I'm a clinical aromatherapist, and I've been working with essential oils for around 20 years. I've trained with some of the world's renowned botanists and aromatherapy experts, and I teach people all over the world about aromatherapy. I also happen to be a professional health writer and have published peer-reviewed research work in aromatherapy. It's no longer necessary to be confused about aromatherapy. Let me guide you to clarity. Visit livelovelemon.com forward slash science dash course to enroll. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Let's talk about headaches and migraines. These are very common conditions and some of the most common reasons why people go to the hospital or to the doctor's office. And headaches and migraines can be very disabling. And in fact, some of the research we see, 20,000 people were interviewed and over 50% of them said that they had severe headaches that required bed rest and caused impairment in activities. Migraines are a a type of headache and seem to be more disabling than a a classic tension headache, for example. And 50% of people who have migraines miss at least one day of work a month because of migraines. So that's pretty major. So let's talk a little bit about natural remedies, essential oils and herbs that can help. But before we really dive into that, it's important to remember that headaches are triggered by many different things and can have different causes. And the International Headache Society classifies headaches in at least 13 different categories. So it's not always quite as simple as saying I have a headache. There's many different types. But generally speaking, there really are two main types of headaches, primary headache and secondary headache. A primary headache occurs when the headache is the problem itself. There is usually some overactivity biologically that causes extra sensitivity to pain. In these cases, the headache is both the problem and the symptom. And they can be triggered by lots of different things from foods, stress, air pressure change, lack of sleep, exhaustion, caffeine withdrawal, hormones. These types of headaches include tension headaches, cluster headaches, migraines, medication overuse headaches. Secondary headaches are headaches that are caused by other health problems. There is an underlying pathology in which a headache is a symptom. 
These are things like high blood pressure, clots, infections, strokes, and these are generally more serious and need medical attention because that underlying condition needs to be treated. There's something more serious happening that is causing a side effect of a headache or a symptom of headache. Less than 5% of headaches are usually caused by these problems, but these can be quite serious. And in these cases, an essential oil or an herb is not an appropriate course of action as that underlying condition might be an immediate medical emergency and need to be treated by the doctor. So if you have a sudden severe headache and vomiting without nausea, for example, you know, an herb is not gonna fix that. You need to see a doctor. So we're gonna talk a little bit more about the symptoms to watch out for that are warning signs that you need to get some immediate attention and see a doctor right away. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Some secondary headaches can be also be caused by psychiatric disorders, nerve disorders, and also structural problems in the, in the head. So the teeth, mouth, eyes, cranium, sinuses, neck, those kinds of things. So for myself, I had, if you remember, I had osteoarthritis and active bone degeneration in my jaw. And this caused pain in my face and jaw joints directly, but also one of the symptoms I had was really intense headaches and very often. And so while osteoarthritis is not a serious condition like a stroke, for example, there was an underlying cause to my headaches. You know, in these cases, even a psychiatric disorder, you know, you can take care of the, maybe the headache with an herb or a remedy, but that's not gonna treat the underlying condition of the psychiatric disorder. You need to see a doctor. We have, to, we have to be careful about how we approach this because sometimes there are other things going on that really need to be addressed. So for the purposes of this podcast, we're gonna talk about primary headaches. And the main point that I want to make about the cause of your headaches is that knowing your triggers or the other problems that are leading to a headache helps you understand what to do. And I talked about this concept also in discussing sleep and how to use natural remedies for sleep. And my approach, and generally the approach for headaches in allopathic medicine as well, is that it's not enough to just say, what can I take? We also should be asking, why is this happening? So this means that we have to kind of look at the triggers and address the triggers so that we can also help reduce the frequency of the headaches. And so this doesn't, you know, it doesn't always mean that you're going to be able to change the trigger. For example, if you get a migraine because the of a shift in air pressure, you know, when the weather's changing, you can't change the air pressure, right? So in these cases, there are things we can do to help the headache but in or the migraine. But in the case of premenstrual migraines, there's a good chance that working with your hormones along with some using some prophylactic and analgesic herbs that you actually might be able to help your headaches. So it's important to look at those triggers and figure out what you can do, how you can make some adjustments. And the goal of headache treatment is, is reducing pain. Obviously in the middle of it, no one likes experience pain. So it's going to be reducing that, but it also should be prevention in that we figure out the things that lead to more headaches and mitigate those so that we have less headaches, right? If you have chronic headaches, you know how disabling it can be, frustrating, draining it can be to live with it. The standard way that we typically deal with headaches is to take a pain reliever. And for some people that works really well. For some people that doesn't always help or do much, other people would prefer to avoid those in favor of something more natural, especially if the headache is minor. And some people, especially those who have 
inflammatory bowel disease can't take pain relievers because they can cause ulcers and other GI problems. And that's a risk. And there's a risk for some people with liver disease as well. And so certain people cannot take these, right? Can be looking for other options. And some medications have risks for long-term and chronic use. The kicker is for people who have inflammatory bowel disease, headaches and migraines can be a common symptom, side effect from those diseases. So if you take can't take the pain reliever and you get headaches a lot, then it really sucks, right? So it's important to talk to your doctor about these things because there might be other things you can do that can help. But as far as herbal and aromatherapy remedies, there are things that can be helpful. So let's get into it. How can we help headaches with natural remedies? So let's start with some essential oils and the all-time classic peppermint oil. Mentha piperita. This is one of the basic pain essential oils that actually is a lot of people use and people are quite familiar with how well it works for pain. And this benefit is attributed mostly to menthol, which is peppermint's main constituent. And menthol stimulates nociceptors, which are sensory receptors. And in particular, it stimulates the TRPM8 receptor and increases sensitivity here, which gives you a cold sensation. The menthol induces nociceptive sensation, so it can also be, sometimes you can experience burning, tingling, pricking, but mostly it's a cold sensation. And this cooling effect blocks afferent nociceptors. So normally, information travels to your brain. Your brain interprets this signal, the information, and then sends another signal back out to your body. And that incoming data is called an afferent signal. So the cooling effect from menthol can block this information going to the brain, which can cause a reduction in signaling and therefore pain relief. Sodium channels in your cells are also part of the pain pathway and menthol seems to be able to inactivate some sodium channels and block certain sodium channels, which also seems to be part of the pain relief pathway. Peppermint is also a carminative and an antiemetic, which means it can help with nausea and upset stomach. So if you have those symptoms with your headaches or migraines, then using it for pain relief can help, but it also can help with feeling sick from the headache, from the pain. You can find peppermint oil pretty easily, and you can often find enteric-coated peppermint capsules, which are often labeled for indigestion or IBS symptoms. There's some medications that are just peppermint oil in an enteric-coated capsule. There are many over-the-counter peppermint pharmacy products because it's a well-known digestive oil, and which speaks to what I was talking about, it being carminative and antiemetic. But you can, so you can find these products, right? But does it make sense to ingest peppermint for a headache? Well, not always, because studies showed that applying it topically was just as effective as a pain reliever. Menthopiperita oil was applied topically and found to be just as effective as acetaminophen in relieving headaches in a double-blind, placebo-controlled study with 40 patients. So there also isn't very much evidence to say that ingesting peppermint oil helps with headaches. We know that it helps with your gut. We don't really know that ingesting a capsule of peppermint actually does anything for headache. It probably does, but we don't actually know that. 
And further, because it has that cooling effect on the skin, on the actual body when you apply it, it, and it can help block the pain signals, I think it's actually more appropriate to use it topically for pain relief and get it right on that location. Here's the thing about peppermint. Because it engages that cold receptor, that cold sensation receptor, there can be a fine line between cold pain relief and cold pain where it causes more pain, like it actually hurts. And kids are pretty, pretty uh, sensitive to this. You know, when you give them a mint and they say it's hot, it's burning, you know, it's that fine line between cooling sensation and it's too much that it hurts. So we have to be careful with how much we use. Sometimes that people who are really sensitive might experience that. Generally speaking, it's going to be, especially for adults, it's going to have a cooling effect. However, peppermint oil should not be used on or near the face of children under six due to that menthol content. So it can be pretty overwhelming for kids and it's contraindicated for kids under six on or near the face. So unfortunately, that means if they have a headache in their sinuses or in their forehead, peppermint oil is not gonna be your best choice here uh, because it's near on the face. Sometimes you will find nasal inhaler products. These are usually uh, labeled for cough and cold symptoms or allergies, for example, that have peppermint oil in them. Those should not be used in kids as well. It's not a good idea to shoot peppermint oil up children's noses, especially since it's contraindicated on or near the face of kids under six. So that's something to think about too, especially if your children have a sinus type headache. Um, Trying to relieve the sinuses by doing that with peppermint oils is not a good idea. Some other ways that peppermint oil might not be a good idea. Menthol is usually detoxified from the body via a pathway that uses G6PD enzyme. And so it's possible that if you have this enzyme deficiency, that menthol won't move out of the body properly. So it's not recommended in these cases. Additionally, because of the calcium channel blocking, it appears that It could block cardiovascular calcium channels as well. So there is a theoretical possibility. It could have a depressant effect on the heart. There's no direct evidence of that. However, it does give a contraindication for cardiac fibrillation. Again, because of that borderline between feeling good and feeling causing extra pain because of cold, sometimes it can be too much for the skin. Proper dilution is is recommended and also it could irritate the skin a little bit. So when you want to make sure we properly dilute. As well, peppermint essential oil is very often adulterated with corn mint. So quality is very important. There are also a whole bunch of contraindications for actually ingesting peppermint oil, uh, which we will cover in a different episode as it's not entirely relevant to this episode. The next essential oil we can use is eucalyptus. My go-to species is eucalyptus globulus because it's high in that 1,8-cineal or eucalyptal content. This is a topical analgesic, anti-inflammatory, and muscle relaxing. So we get pain relief and we get some reduction of inflammation processes that cause headaches. And that's an important point to know there that a lot of what happens in migraines and in headaches is there's a type of inflammation that's happening, an inflammatory process in the body. This is another essential oil that I would apply topically. It makes the most sense with essential oils to use them in carrier oil right on the area where there's pain. While inhaling essential oils can reduce pain, and we see that in data, and we're gonna talk about that in a a few minutes, to me, it doesn't always make the most sense just to smell it. 
a lot of the time when an area hurts in one location, it's a good idea to put the essential oils there so that you get that localized pain reduction. Eucalyptus is another one that should not be used on or near the face of children under six and may also irritate the skin, so we need to dilute appropriately. I'm quickly interrupting this episode to tell you about one of my favorite essential oil companies, Mountain Rose Herbs. So I'm picky about my essential oils. I want sustainable and ethical oils. I want high quality organic and non-GMO oils. I want clinical level products that are actually from botanicals. So I recommend and use Mountain Rose Herbs. Right now with this crazy year of stress, the Calming Blend is a beautiful synergy for the remedy cabinet. It's got lavender and clary sage, vetiver, tangerine, ylang-ylang, and blue tansy. So that combination of plants is a powerhouse for stress. One to two drops of Calming Blend in a carrier oil along the shoulders and neck. It's just gonna take the edge off some of these long days. So if you're wondering what brand to try, I recommend Mountain Rose Herbs. You can get 10% off Mountain Rose Herbs essential oils. Visit mountainroseherbs.com and use AromaPod10 to get 10% off essential oils. And now back to our episode. Sweet basil is another classic headache oil. There are many species of basil and many chemotypes. If you can find Osimum basilicum, linalool chemotype, this is a great essential oil to use. So basil typically is high in estragol, which can give us a lot of contraindications. So using the linalool chemotype, which means it's high in linalool instead of estragol, this is not an adulteration. This is a naturally occurring difference. Um, It can change just based on where it grows. This is going to offer benefits we want without as much risk. So linalool chemotype is high in linalool, which is anti-inflammatory, analgesic, it helps reduce stress. Linalool basil is also high in eugenol, and eugenol is one of those main constituents of clove and cinnamon, so it's effective for pain relief. And basil linalool chemotype also has quite a bit of 1,8-cineol too, that eucalyptal content, which we just talked about. What I like about this chemotype of basil is that it has no contraindications. Lots of basil oil labels aren't going to tell you this information, so you need to look for it specifically. You need to look for the linalool chemotype specifically or ask the brand about it specifically as well. One of my other essential oils that I use a lot is lavender, good old lavender, species Lavandula angustifolia. And it is a mild sedative, so it can be used to help with stress and sleep uh, when those are some of your triggers. It's a nervine, which means it tones and strengthens the nervous system, but it also helps calm the nerves. But lavender is also analgesic and anti-inflammatory. And in some studies, there was a statistically significant reduction in migraine pain after inhaling lavender for 15 minutes. Lavender was also tested in a double-blind placebo-controlled study for three months. There was a significant reduction found in severity and frequency of migraine headaches, suggesting it could be a prophylactic or preventative migraine treatment. Again, we talked about the inhalation versus topical use, but lavender also can be analgesic, so you can use that topically right on location. So lavandula angustifolia has no contraindications. So how do you use these essential oils then? I think, like I said, inhalation is good, but I think using lavender in combination with peppermint, eucalyptus, and basil in a blend with appropriate dilution, and then applying that topically for pain relief 
is the best approach. That way you're sort of targeting the area. And if you if you find that sore muscles or tension in your neck or pain in your neck and shoulders cause you a lot of headaches, then using those, you know, to massage into those areas can be really helpful as well. Uh, help with relaxing the muscle, but also reduce pain. So as far as herbs, there's a couple we can use as well. And it's really going to kind of depend on the background trigger to your headaches. So if you have hormone-related headaches from migraines, one of the best herbs to use for getting that proper estrogen-progesterone balance and addressing luteal insufficiency or estrogen withdrawal is Vitex. So Vitex has been very extensively researched for PMS relief and hormones, including headaches and migraines associated with PMS and hormones. In a study on Vitex for migraines, 66% of women experienced a reduction of PMS symptoms and 42% had a reduction in migraines by more than half. So Vitex is really great if you if you are experiencing hormone-related migraines then this could be a good uh, a good herb to use. So you can take a supplement of Vitex, but I really love the tinctures because the way that the body absorbs them. There are going to be some contraindications for this herb, and so it's gonna be really important that you work with an herbalist to really f- make sure that this is the best choice for you. Butterbur root extract is another well-studied botanical, and this one is recommended by the Headache Society as well. It shows a marked anti-inflammatory effect and prevention of migraines. And so this one is recommended as a prophylactic migraine treatment. Prophylactic means preventative. Its activity is thought to be related to how it blocks leukotriene biosynthesis. And leukotrienes are inflammatory chemicals that show up. These are inflammatory markers. Sometimes they're associated with allergies when your body comes into contact with an allergen, often associated with asthma, but they are associated with migraines as well. And butterbur can block those leukotrienes. And it may also work by blocking those calcium channels as well. So there are a number of studies on the efficacy of butterbur, and it, they seem to conclude that it's best to use to prevent migraines. One thing to know about butterbur is that it contains pyrolyzidine alkaloids. These are naturally occurring, but they do have potential to damage the liver. So if you use butterbur, you need to make sure it's alkaloid-free. Most supplements are going to be alkaloid-free just for legal reasons, but it's generally recommended to look for that. Butterbur is not recommended during pregnancy and lactation. Some people report GI side effects like nausea. The frequency seems to be low though, around 0.01% of people experience these side effects. So it's classified as very rare. However, you need to know that. So what do we need to consider here? Should you use all of these herbs and oils? The essential oils can be blended into a synergy and you can use that very safely for headache relief as long as you observe the contraindications. They can be used on their own as well. If you just like peppermint, you can use peppermint on its own. If you just like basil or you only have basil, you can use those on your own. Should you use all of the herbs that I suggested at the same time? There's many different herbs as well that can be used. I don't know. It's going to depend on your personal health, right? And so this is where it's a good idea to talk to someone before using them and to get some guidance. And it's also important to look at your triggers. It's generally recommended, even in allopathic medicine, to keep a headache diary and track your triggers. Find out how often you're getting them, 
the intensity of them, your pain level, other symptoms, what makes it better, what makes it worse. This helps you figure out if there are foods, for example, that are bothering you, or if it's triggered by sleep or lack of sleep or stress. In those cases, there might be simpler ways of managing the frequency of headaches by things like avoiding foods or using herbs specific to those situations. For example, if you are not sleeping, getting having a protocol designed to approach your sleep might be more effective. So this could be a really nuanced approach and it's a good idea to look at it that way. Not everyone's headaches are caused by the same thing. You know, if you're experiencing a lot of pain in the moment, there are definitely things you can do, but we want to look at reducing the amount of headaches you're getting. So a nuanced approach is a really good idea. If you experience any of the following symptoms, it is important that you remember that an herb or an essential oil is not appropriate here. You should get immediate medical attention. If you experience a thunderclap headache, you experience a headache during or after exertion, so when you do exercise. If you have a suddenly extremely severe headache, if you have a headache with neck pain or stiffness or fever, if you have seizures, you have a sudden change in the pattern of your headache, you have vomiting without nausea, if you have a headache after starting birth control, or if you have headaches during pregnancy, these are times that a headache might be a symptom of something more serious and you need to see your doctor and talk to your doctor, get a medical attention. So in other cases, generally speaking, plants, botanical medicine can be very helpful, especially along with a nuanced approach of, of addressing your triggers, addressing the root causes and associations to your to your headaches, you can really find a better way to manage and reduce the number of headaches that you have. All right, beautiful people, thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.